This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could come from you, the listener, by heading over to patreon.com slash chasethomaswriter. There, you can be a monthly supporter of the show and my writing that the brilliant Sam Harris describes as basically one less cup of coffee per month. If that's feasible, I'd love to have your continued support, but if not, that's totally fine too, as there are other ways of supporting the show. If you're an Apple Podcasts or iTunes listener, you can leave the show reading and a review that is very quick and very painless and something that I'd very much appreciate and will help other people find the show. I'd also like to quickly remind you that you can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, which is pretty cool, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Lastly, don't forget to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com where you can find quick, easy access to all of my previous episodes, all of my articles, I'm writing a lot there now, how to contact me, and much more. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, no Ethan Hammerman this week. He is away in Europe doing whatever people do in Europe. I've never been out of the country, so I don't know. But instead, this week we have Billy Marshall returning to the pod, and he is on the line right now to explain why the Atlanta Falcons are such a better football team than the Carolina Panthers. What's going on, man? What's going on? How are you? I'm good. Um, that last part, I had to say in jest, I don't actually believe that the Falcons are a better team than the Panthers right now. Unfortunately. Well, that makes sense. Both of us have struggled in different ways this season, but somehow Carolina's 11-4, and four and Atlanta's record probably isn't reflective of you know how they've played this season, but... Uh, you know, all you have to do is clinch a playoff berth, and that's what the Panthers did barely last week against a pretty bad team, and Atlanta has the opportunity this week. The Falcons are weird because they're, I believe right now, they're 8th in offensive DVOA, and they're 23rd in defensive DVOA, but I think if you ask most people about the Falcons, they would assume that the offense has taken this huge step back and that the defense is actually probably like somewhere in the middle and defensive DVA this season, but they're not. They're still a bad defense. I think 23rd I would still consider bad or on the lower end of the spectrum, especially when you consider that the Saints are 7th and the Panthers are right behind them at 8th. So I just, I, there is a drop-off there, and I, I it's kind of surprising just to see the lay of the land with the Falcons and that their defense is still a problem, especially when Trufant's out. That secondary is just really bad. And then... Um, I don't know. I think it's it's odd that they're still with this much talent on the front seven, and it's still to be this 
poor of a situation. Deion Jones, who's been awesome, especially in the last couple of weeks. I, I don't know. I, he is, um, this team, it just, it's weird. Their offense is fine. Like it's more of a red zone situation. Like you have those weeks where Ryan is, uh, especially terrible under pressure. Like that Saints game at home, they ended up winning. Uh, I think he was like four for 10 when he was getting pressured and he had like three picks and was just bad and they still won. So they can win when Matt Ryan doesn't play well. But I think it's odd the way the numbers bear out what the Falcons really are uh, because I don't think it completely matches up with uh, what fans see when they're watching this team play on a week-to-week basis. But I think the Panthers make a lot more sense when you look at the numbers. Like you look at Cam's uh, PFF grades and you see that he did not outplay Jameis last week. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And then you look at Keekly and how important he is to the team and Quan Short and guys like that. And it's, it all makes sense. I think the Panthers just, for whatever reason, look better and look uh, under a microscope than the Falcons, and they look like something that adds up to potential playoff success, and I don't think that's the case for the Falcons. Yeah, so for Carolina, I think it's a couple things here. You know, the offense hasn't really lived up to, well, I guess the house of the expectations because, I mean, if you look at the talent surrounding the quarterback, it's it's not the greatest in the world. I will say the offensive line for all the flack that I give it and, you know, other fans and people who cover the team, they've given it a lot of flack. And I have to say that they've quietly improved throughout the season, both run blocking and pass blocking. But I think the bigger issue is with the Panthers offense is the lack of wide receiver talent. And a lot of, again, media members and fans, they like to, throw criticism towards Mike Shula's way. And I don't think that's warranted. I think he's, you know, he's a solid offensive coordinator. He's not a Kyle Shanahan or a Sean McVay or, you know, one of the best offensive lines. But I think if you give him talent, like he will have an offense that will produce. And right now you look at the Panthers, they traded away Cullen Betjeman, which I thought was a sound move because he was kind of holding back the offense in some ways. And, you look at a couple other guys like Curtis Samuel and Demir Berg, those two guys are like their speed type players. Like Demir Bird is similar in a way to Taylor Gabriel. Like he's really short hmm. and really like lean, but like he's really fast. He runs like a, a sub four three or not a sub four three, but like a four three forty. Um and he was really coming into his own with his route running and um his ability to separate down the field. And of course, Curtis Samuel, he suffered, you know, a pretty nasty injury on Monday night football against the Dolphins. So he's been out for a while. And now you have like a bunch of practice squad players that they're bringing up. And essentially, like guys like Devin Funches and Greg Olson are going to be having, are going to have to carry a load um, pass catching wise for this offense. And I think eventually you're going to start seeing Christian McCaffrey catch. Kind of be exclusively a wide receiver because they're just running out of bodies. And he's advanced enough in his skill set as a receiver that he can, um, yeah, move out there and open up some things. So I think you know for them, you know, they're 16th in DVOM offense, which makes sense. It's really rough to watch them at some points, but you know their highs are probably you know, with the best in the league, and then their lows are just as bad as anyone else in the league. So it's a kind of a volatile situation. 
Yeah, I I think it's really interesting because I think they're a team that plays to their competition because I felt like they looked really good against the Packers and I think they looked really good against the Vikings and obviously they look good against the Patriots, um, which feels like forever ago. But then you have games like the Bucks where it's like, I don't know about this team. And I just, I wonder how much of like what, what the Panthers are is just like how they stack up against good teams. I mean, even the Eagles, they lost that game, but they were in it and they played them pretty close. I just, I think the Panthers like one of those teams that for some reason rise to their, uh, the kind of team they're playing against. And then if they're playing a bad team, they sink to bad tendencies and then they end up just looking a lot worse than they actually are. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that. And I mean, if you look at, um, you know, their point differential and their record in close games, that kind of accurately reflects, you know, the team they are. They're not really blowing out teams. They're not really, um, you know, they're not just taking it to them. I mean, their only, like, really dominant performance was against the Dolphins, and the Dolphins aren't a very good team, and they, you know, that was on Monday Night Football. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it would be nice for them to actually, like, you know, show up and play 60 minutes instead of just having to come back at the end and be a bad team. Because, I mean, you know, you look at the turnover margin against the Bucks, you know, Carolina, um, you know, won the turnover margin. But, you know, they're a football team that when they do get turnovers, they don't usually convert them into points. And that's certainly a concern. And, uh, you know, when you are attempting to blow these teams out and make sure that it's not a close game, you probably want to convert turnovers into touchdowns or even just points, to be honest with you. So, yeah, yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with that sentiment. Is Well, I guess I should ask, do you think the Saints are clearly the number one team in the NFC South? Because I, think, I think they are, but do you think there's a chance the Panthers or the Falcons actually are the best team in the South? Well... I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC South, without question. Um, but I will say that you know there's a potential for one of the Falcons or the Panthers to face them in the first round of the playoffs. And I think either team has an opportunity to beat them. Because, I mean, I was watching a little bit of that Falcons-Saints game from last week, and mm-hmm. dude, I can't even begin to tell you how fluky some of those turnovers were by the Falcons. I mean, first of all, the interception by Lattimore was just absurd. And mm-hmm. two plays later, Ted Ginn scores like a you know, 50-yard touchdown. You know, Atlanta gets an interception to begin the second half from the two-yard line, and then Devontae Freeman fumbles at the one. Like, I, I just I don't think those sort of turnovers are um, – that they represent, you know, who the Falcons are. Like, I think they're obviously a better team, and those type of turnovers are just – are not really sustainable in the long term, long run. So yeah, I would. Uh, I do think you know the Falcons probably match up better with the Saints. Carolina, they had two opportunities to play them, and each time the Saints kind of just out schemed them and outplayed them from start to finish. So it's not a great matchup for Carolina, but um, you never know with division games. I think the Saints are going to win the NFC this year. Yeah, I mean that 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 probably makes the most sense. I, I was going to say Minnesota. Um, they're probably, they would probably be my favorite. I love Minnesota. 
Eric Thompson, great guy. Love Minnesota fans. I don't think Case Keenum is winning multiple playoff games. I mean, it's not about Case Keenum. It's just like that offense as a whole is so dynamic. And- oh, no, it's great. Like, I love Thielen. And maybe it'd be different if Cook didn't get injured. And that would be nice to have come playoff time just to have another option there. But Latavius Murray's had good games in the last couple weeks. Like, I just... Like, to me, they, they, sense. they remind me of the 2008 Cardinals. Where okay, I mean obviously that team is a little different. I'm just speaking because that Cardinals team, I believe they had a first. No, they they had a playoff game at home first round. But I think most people expect Philadelphia to lose their first playoff game, right? I agree. Yeah, I've been saying that for weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So essentially, this team is not winning a playoff game. And the Saints, right? Or excuse me, the Vikings—they have a really. I mean, they're going to beat the Bears on Sunday. So when they beat the Bears on Sunday, they'll be the number two seed locked in. And so mm-hmm. after Philadelphia loses their first round game, and if Minnesota beats whoever they put in the first round, you know they essentially have home field throughout the playoffs, including nice. up to the Super Bowl. So I think that really sets up well with them because they play in such a difficult uh, stadium for opponents. Um, you know that dome or that stadium just gets so loud. And it's really difficult for opponents coming because I, I watched that entire um, game when they faced the Rams from start to finish, and I've never seen you know that LA offense look just so bad and out of sync. So that was kind of like you know my impression of you know how the, the Vikings are going to be because I know the Panthers did beat them, but you know Minnesota was facing a three-game road trip, and that was their last game on the road trip, and. Um, yeah, and I watched that whole game. It was close. Like, the Panthers were in control for a lot of it, but, I mean, there was an Adam Thielen touchdown callback that turned into a field yeah, goal it, that it, I thought it was, was a touchdown. It was pretty close. It was just a bad spot for Minnesota. Like, whenever you're, you know, in a three-game road trip and you're attempting to, you know, uh, you're attempting to sweep that road trip, the, the, the final game was always difficult. Uh, and then, you know, they were they, they had some calls go against them, too, that weren't really fair such as that they aren't catchy as you mentioned but yeah i think they're probably the most complete team i think the saints obviously have a really good defense and you know special teams are decent too i just i know it sounds weird to say but i think their passing offense you know leaves a lot to be desired well i mean it's a lot of just michael thomas go do some stuff it uh he but he can like michael thomas had like multiple touchdowns called back in the game um was it last week that uh, I watched a lot of the Saints were... Oh, it was the Jets game. Yeah. He had several touchdowns callbacks. I think Ingram vultured one at one point because of it. But Michael Thomas, just like he's really good at dragging um, pass interference calls. He's just... Michael Thomas is insanely good. So I understand why Breeze goes to him so much. But it does seem like it's just more of like their passing offense is just if Kamara can get open in space, Ingram every now and then. And then... Hopefully, Michael Thomas beats his guy downfield. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Sean Payton is one of the best play callers, and he knows how to scheme open receivers. So that's always a positive for that offense. I just worry a little more about the quarterback because I think he's shown some areas where he's been inconsistent as opposed to, you know, his previous years. Um, I don't think it's going to be a detriment or anything. I just worry about some, you know, some areas where 
I think teams are picking up on, uh, such as some of their out concepts and they're calling a lot of like five to 10 yard routes for Thomas. And then they, they usually ask again yeah. to run like 20, 30 yards down the field. And um, I think those are areas where I would expect some offenses to pick them up. Cause I think you saw the jets, they have a pretty good game plan and uh, you know, it was yeah, a close game. Really well. Yeah. It was a close game. Uh, I mean, take the Ingram touchdown uh, off the board. It's still, you know, close game despite that too well i will say that the saints i mean they're number two in offensive dvoa their pass rank is number seven and their rush rank is number two so they have that balance with kamara and ingram that i just i think they're gonna be really hard to stop the complaint and you talk about the vikings and being the most complete offense i mean they're seventh in the league and they're only one above keenum is having a slightly better year than breeze but i i worry about the run game i i don't think that's gonna. I don't think Latavius Murray is someone you can count on come playoff time. I and Jarek McKinnon's fine, but I, I'm definitely a little concerned there. Xavier Rhodes is a top three cornerback, so that should be interesting to see how that matchup goes. Who was the last, or has this even happened? Because the Super Bowl is in Minnesota this year. Who was the last team to actually make the Super Bowl when it was actually in their own stadium? Or is I don't think that's happened, has it? It it, it hasn't happened. So I'm not doing it this year. It's definitely not with Case Keenum. I don't think he's going to be the inaugural home uh, player in this Super Bowl. I, I'm not there. I mean, we could we make fun of Keenum all we want, but I, I do think he has outperformed. I'm not making fun of Keenum. Keenum's good. He's probably this the year. second he's best quarterback yeah. in the NFC in the playoffs. Ooh, hmm. behind. I mean, Foles obviously would be the last. Um, yes. I'm just counting the five teams who have clinched. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been better than the golf. Seahawks I think can't the get one, in. Yeah. Uh, he's been better than he's Cam not, Newton. Uh, I think yeah. the one quarterback who... who I don't think he's know, better than Matt Ryan. Well, I wasn't counting them because they didn't really clinch. But yeah, I would agree Matt Ryan yeah. is certainly better. And, and Russell Wilson, too. So, I mean, yeah. I, I was just talking about the five teams who have clinched. Obviously, if, you know, depending on the events that happen on Sunday, if, Seattle or Atlanta clinches and yeah but for now I think he's been the second best quarterback and I certainly think that isn't that kind of weird that the three teams that are still in the running are kind of in the running for that six spot all have quarterbacks that we would all probably put in the top 10 or around the top 10 but then you like look above them we're like eh, I don't know about Cam I don't know about this guy I don't know about golf it kind of like, says a lot about then... coaching and the offenses that are being designed yeah. around you know some deficient quarterback play yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess the positive it shows that you can win with guys like Goff and Cam and Foles, but just to see like Wilson, Dak, and Matt Ryan are like all fighting for like the last playoff spot in the NFC is just kind of wild to me. Yeah, it's certainly been an interesting year. I think uh, we've gone to appreciate some of the coaching that's gone into some of the success these teams are having. Did you see Greg Rosenthal tweet out? And I, I didn't even realize it was this high. He tweeted out. <clears throat> before we started recording that there is a, like he would not be surprised if there are 14 coaching changes this year and yeah. you get on the list and you're like, Oh my God, that's, it's really not inconceivable. They're really good. I don't think every team will do it. Like there are a couple that you just, and I was thinking about that last couple weeks. It's like, if you're the lions or you're the Broncos or you're the Raiders, I don't think you can fire anybody this year because there's just too many. There's just gonna be too many open jobs. Like even Houston, I just think there are not enough good like coordinators that I would want to target. And I don't think a lot of these college guys are gonna come back. 
to the NFL. So I would just be very wary of firing your coach unless you're in like a John Fox, Jeff Fisher zone where you're like, okay, we no, we have, we have to do this with our young quarterbacks, but other situations that are a little bit more complicated. I think those teams should err on the side of caution and wait, run it back for another year. I know that fan base, those fan bases don't want to do that, but I just, I think it's going to be really hard to get a good coach this offseason because I think so many people are going to be targeting the guys uh, most people want. And I think there's just going to be too many jobs open that it's just going to be very difficult to um, get the right guy with 14 potential job openings. Yeah, it's, I saw Jay Glazer. He said the same thing on the Fox pregame show. I think, I think he said something like 12 to 14 openings could be available next week. That's insane. It is, but this league is pretty fickle, which you know, makes me appreciate you know teams like Seattle, Pittsburgh, New England, and Carolina. They've done a pretty good job, even though they've made some other rash decisions on their other personnel side. But um, yeah, I think coaching is obviously a big thing, and uh, when you see the success of guys like I was mentioning this on Twitter the other day. When you see the success of young coaches like Cal Shanahan and Sean McVay, like two really, you know, modern progressive minds when it comes to game planning, scheming, and just game management, like I think other teams want to replicate that. Um, obviously, you know, there's not going to be the demand that's not going to be met, you know, to find all those young guys, but. I think those two have kind of changed the way. I think teams are looking towards that direction. Yeah, I think it's um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But uh, another question for you. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to lose a game this season? Well, I think he's definitely going to win next week because I read it on Twitter yesterday, a report, or excuse me, Sean McVeigh told the reporters that he's going to rest starters week 17. So I think San Francisco will win next week. So yeah. Be, uh, what, he didn't, did he specify which starters he's talking about? Because does that insinuate that it's going to be Gurley and Goff that are sitting? Yeah, I'm, I'm like 90% sure. Like it'll be Gurley, Goff, Donald, probably Robert Woods because he's been dealing with injuries. Um, Whitworth, he's been dealing with injuries all year. So I think those guys type of guys, like they're blue chip type players will be sad. And we don't have like a Whitworth or a Gurley or maybe golf will play, but even like a Donald, I think mm-hmm. you don't have to see Aaron Donald every every snap for Garoppolo. I think he should have some success. Yeah. That's pretty cool that uh, Jimmy G is not going to end up losing a game this season. Most likely it's uh it's pretty fascinating. Um, last thing before we move on to this week's games, what was the biggest Week 16 final score though that really just kind of floored you? The big what was that? Sorry, the biggest kind of Week 16 score or outcome that really floored you. It's a couple of games I have on my mind. I was pretty surprised Cincinnati beat Detroit in a muscle yeah, game for was... the Lions. <laughs> So sad. Uh, and I'm trying to think. Um I was pretty surprised Dallas lost. So I think those two mm. were the two games. I think all right, so the first game 
you know, Max Stafford has made a career. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Like he's nothing, you know, he's not a lead in my opinion, but I think he's pretty good. You know, he's a franchise quarterback, but you know, if you look at his career, he's made a career out of beating teams with losing records. And Detroit was facing a must-win game against the Bengals team that the previous two weeks have been outscored by like 50 some points. So this was like setting up for, you know, a typical Stafford game where, you know, they start slow, they kind of keep it close, and then somehow they pull it out at the end and they keep their playoff hopes alive. Because, again, they had to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And they didn't either. Uh, this was likely going to be Marvin Lewis's last game in, inside uh, or in Cincinnati, and the Bengals let him have a final vic- home victory. So good for them. Uh, I was a little surprised that the outcome was the way it did because I thought just Cincinnati just packed it in. Um, and yeah, the Dallas game was weird because, you know, see how, you know, the past two, past month or so, well, they've been dealing with a bunch of injuries. I think it started with the Atlanta game on Monday night. And, you know, ever since then, they've been kind of just making, throwing out like practice squad players and just a bunch of, dudes in their secondary who I've never heard of. Obviously, like, Byron Maxwell, I've heard of, but, like, he's kind of overpaid and he was, like, kicked to the curb by, like, multiple teams, so mm-hmm. just, it was just weird to see, you know, all the, the Legion of Boom who we were so accustomed with kind of be downtrodden because, you know, the Rams and the Jaguars previous two weeks kind of lit up, lit up the Seahawks, and I was expecting Dallas with Zeke returning and Teron Smith playing that they would have some success and you know, turns out they couldn't, even though Dan Bailey, who's usually a reliable kicker, missed a few important kicks, but I think the bigger issue was for Dallas. Um, you know, they weren't able to score many touchdowns and uh, I was a little surprising. Um, you know, one Seattle touchdown came off a of pick six too, so you yeah, can't really blame the Dallas defense too much. Um but yeah, that was a little surprising and now Dallas they're also out of the playoffs in Seattle. Uh, hangs on by a needle. Yeah, it was it was fun though. I'm glad we had that game on the schedule at the end of the season. That was that was good. It was necessary for um, the family that I had over and everything else, and uh, just being able to watch that game and some crazy dead stuff. And then, you know, uh, Wilson took a lot of shots in that game that did not look good, but. Yeah, Seahawks survived. And it was a. The, it turns out the Seahawks are not dead yet. That the rest. Yeah, of they, they always. Stuff. You can't really count them out unless they're totally out. Um, yeah, that's the thing with them. They're they they're a pretty resilient bunch. For all, you know, we like to make fun of them. I like to make fun of them quite a bit because of some of their <laughs> antics. But yeah, you got to give them credit for staying in until you know the very last moment and. Yeah, depending on how the Falcons' turn goes, they have a pretty good shot of the playoffs. All right. Well, then let's jump in to this week's games. No Thursday games. The color rush is over for this season. Thank God. I, I didn't like not having a Sunday night game. I don't know, man. Some of the color rush, could, uh, the Falcons' color rush uniforms are actually better. Yeah, than that any was of the only uniforms. game. The, your game against the Saints, or excuse me, the Falcons' game against the Saints, was probably the yeah the best. Um, I don't think the Panthers are bad, right? It's not, you it's like them? Pretty, it, it is what it is. It's nothing great. I think yeah. some of the other Cornish options, though, that teams wear just... Yeah. 
They're not my Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing will top the Bills Jet situation um, from a couple years ago as a colorblind person. That, oh my that gosh, was pretty that remarkable. Was crazy. Yeah. First up, the Detroit Lions, who are actually the Tennessee Titans of the NFC. They're eight and seven, and they play Aaron Rodgers less. Green Bay Packers team. I want to pick the Lions here. I really do, but I'm not. I think this is an 8-8 eight eight team, and I think they're actually going to lose to Brett Hundley in the final week of the season. I, I think the Packers are winning this game. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I picked against the Packers against the spread last week, and I won pretty comfortably uh, because Brett Hundley is really, really, really bad at home. He's better but, on the road, though. Have you seen Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. all, his home and road splits are quite remarkable. So, it's indoors. Yeah, sure. Why not? Go pick the Packers. I mean, this is the type of game, and you're going to see a lot of these type of games, you know, at least in the 1 p.m. slate. It's like the rosters that are going to be thrown out there are like the rosters that you see for a fourth preseason game because, you know, teams and coaches are just going to rest players that really have no business being out there unless, unless some of them need to reach, like, incentives in their contract. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a meaningless game. Both teams are eliminated. I guess Detroit, you know, if they lose this game, that kind of reinforces the idea that Jim Caldwell's likely gone. I just, I don't think he's gone. Didn't he just, he just signed an extension this year, like mid-season. Well, that extension was essentially to give him some, um, what is it? The extension was given to him because he had one more deal left on his contract in 2018. And he, or excuse me, he was, going into lame duck here. So that was kind of giving him yeah, some protection. That's what Todd Bowles is going into, right? And Marvin Lewis is in the same boat. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. So those, I mean, I think those two coaches as well. I just think that that deal was kind of incentivized in a way that there was an expectation that they were to make the playoffs because they were coming off the playoff trip. And the fact that they didn't really improve, um, it probably just, yeah, you know, like I said, reinforce. I think they're the going to lose both coordinators to head coaching jobs. That's certainly possible. Yes, I, I like it. Would not surprise me if Jim Bob Cooter or Terrell Austin's the next coach of the Bengals. I think it's going to be one of them. I don't know who, but one of them is going to be the next coach of the Bengals. It'll definitely not be Cooter. Okay. I just feel like Cincinnati's so cheap, and Cooter. I don't think he's. I think the hype around him was a little overrated, but I do think that teams are going to be in demand for him. And I don't see Cincinnati knowing their owner, Mike Brown, getting into a bidding war for him. The Browns could be a place for him, I think. Yeah, but that wouldn't be know. that fun. The Giants, maybe? I don't know. I don't want to go down the Jim Bob Cooter, where could he go rabbit hole? I'm not certain. I think Austin, for sure, is getting a head coaching job, but Cooter is still really young. So maybe he won't, but I think just seeing like you brought up earlier, the success of Shanahan and McVeigh. Yeah. I think you have well, also the, okay to take shots on guys like him. There's also the thing about um Cooter, he has some he has a history and uh, you know, especially with the Me Too movement and everything, it happened at Tennessee. He like climbed into like someone's room and started sleeping next to a female. So like he didn't really commit like any type of sexual assault 
but that is on his criminal record. Uh, so I don't know how teams are going to approach that. Well, then that makes the Bengals the perfect fit for him because <laughs> you have Joe Mixon on the roster. Yeah, that team really doesn't care about that type of stuff. So sure, why not? And Jimmy Haslam's the owner of the Cleveland Browns, and he obviously has humongous ties to the Tennessee area, and I'm sure he's very familiar. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. That actually, yeah, that's a good point. All right. Next up, the Jacoby Brissett's of the world, who I am still riding for. I think Jacoby Brissett's actually good, and I think... I really do hope he gets the Cardinals starting quarterback job this offseason. I hope he's the guy who replaces Carson Palmer in Arizona and they keep running it back and Bruce Arians doesn't go. And they host the Houston Texans who are on quarterback number 15 uh, this season. I have the Colts here. Yeah, the Colts. I mean, the Colts should probably win this season. Who's starting at quarterback this week for the Texans? It'll be Yates or Heineke. I was going to say, is it Heineke? No, I don't I know how to pronounce his last name. Heinke, Hinky. He went to ODU. I know that much. It looks like Heineke to me. Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Okay. So yeah, if I wouldn't be surprised if they start him, that would be like quarterback number five. I think or four. Savage Watson, then back to Savage, then Yates. Yeah, that'll be number four. Sure, why not? Uh, this is a game I won't okay. be watching or betting on, but I think the Colts. I don't think anybody would be watching. No one should be watching this, even at the one o'clock slate. Do not tune into this, even if you're a red zone watcher. Just change the channel whenever they go to this, unless Jacoby Brissett's making a cool play because you should always watch Jacoby Brissett. Only seven one p.m. games. Yes, it's weird. That's crazy. There's nine one four p.m. games. It's a bit absurd. Minnesota. In what could be John Fox's last game with the uh, with the Bears, but he said, "quote I have never had trouble getting employment, so John Fox may not be done with it, the NFL after this season. Who knows?" The Vikings. I mean, have they? They're not resting anybody because they're still playing for um, home field uh, for the second place seed, right? So they're not resting people. No, is that they're hard, they have to they have to win to get number two seed. And I expect yeah. the Vikings to beat them by at least 20 points. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all things considered, I do think 5-11 and 11 is better than I saw from the Bears this year. I thought they were going to be pretty bad and be like a 2-14 and 14 team, but this is uh, slightly better, and their defense is pretty good. So I think all the pieces that I've read in the last couple weeks. Well, this yeah, I mean, the, the, new, the new head coach is going to walk in there with some talent, so... Yeah. That should be promising. I wish it was Harbaugh, but I don't think Harbaugh's leaving Michigan for the Bears, even no. though I think I mean, that would be like any, the perfect spot he, for him. No, no college coach, no reasonable, like from a big, from Power 5 college coach, uh, like a major program, is going to leave for an NFL job because those college coaches get paid like $10 million a year. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's crazy it's the amount of money they make. And those guys, they have so much like flexibility and comfort at their programs. Like even if they win like seven or eight games in a year, they still have like, you know, they're making a crazy amount of money and they get to travel across the country, meet kids and recruit them. 
mean, it's like a, like an executive type role. I would almost say like, despite the level of competition being higher, that you're kind of downgrading when you go from college to the NFL because of just like how much compensation and you know authority you have within a program. You're not going to get that at the NFL. Yeah. And you're not unless, I mean, there are several coaches that do have a lot of authority. I mean, Dan Quinn has a lot. Belichick, obviously Gase, I think has a bunch of, yeah, yeah, got to pick his own GM. I don't, I feel like there's a lot of coaches now that have pretty good amount of power, uh, in their, um, front office. I I agree with that. Yeah, that's true. All right. Next up a game that actually might be a little interesting. The Patriots 12 and three at home against the jets. Is there any chance that, well, no, go ahead and cross it off. Bryce Petty's playing again. I want Christian Hackenberg in this game. That is what this game needs. They need to let him play the last game of the season just so the mystery can finally be solved as to just how bad Christian Hackenberg is as a professional quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have no idea what to expect from the Jets here. I expect the Patriots to just, again, beat them by 20 points because – but it's not going to happen because Todd Bowles doesn't allow it with this team. He just I, I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think this is going to be annoyingly close. I don't know. Last year I saw these two teams play in Foxborough too. And Petty was the quarterback and the Patriots beat them by like 30 points. So, uh, Bryce Petty is so bad. Yeah, he's terrible. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe like 27-10. Okay. That's not really like... a blowout. It's kind of a like 34-20 or something. 34-23. like 23. Something weird and close. Yeah, I'll be pretty surprised if the Jets scored 20 points. Yeah. Maybe it's some... Robbie Anderson just goes off. And they do some cool trickery. Bilal Powell does some cool stuff. I don't I don't know. The, the Jets find ways to not use Bryce Petty. I mean, they were doing that against the Saints where they were doing a lot of end-arounds. They were doing a lot of... Cool stuff. John Morton's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's found ways to survive. Head coaching jobs. Offers. Yeah. The Giants, last game for Spags. Maybe the most interesting for me, head coaching uh, position open after this offseason because their GM is now uh, got Reese, Jay Reese, and that rare, rarely happens for that organization. So I'm very interested to see who gets that job. But they host the 7-8 and eight Washington Redskins, and I think the Redskins uh, win big here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that the Redskins can blow them out. <laughs> and they have to. I mean, I think 7-9 and nine is a, kind of a disaster for them this year. They should be better than even 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I'm still annoyed the Redskins for being worse than I expected coming this season. They were like my sleeper pick for the NFC East, and I'm very upset that they did not put it all... Obviously, part of it is they've been decimated by injuries and they've like lost every offensive weapon. And I mean, the Terrell Pryor stuff was awful, and going from Deshaun Jackson to Pryor was did not pan out. Jordan Reed, I don't think is ever going to play like more than four games a year. Jonathan Allen looked really good before he got lost for the year. I just you see it in the Bill Musgrave. I mean, Bill Musgrave. I always get those two mixed up. Um, uh, why am I blanking on the defensive coordinator's name? Manaski. Uh, Maneski was an upgrade over Joe Barry and then getting Jim Tom Sula for that defensive line was good. And I don't know. I don't think the Redskins should make a coaching change this offseason. No, they, they, they definitely should have. They'll be eight and eight. They've had a ton of injuries. They improve dramatically on defense, which is yeah. a positive. And as long as they can 
figure out what to do with the big, you know, the giant elephant in the room, that's Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, they should build around whatever quarterback they acquire. And definitely have to, you know, they have a pretty good offensive line, all things considered. Uh, just got to upgrade, you know, the receiving core. And, you know, the, the running back is pretty good, too. Uh, I mean, they're a good team. I mean, they're going to finish 7-9 or 8-8. Eight and eight And, you know, that's not a terrible record for a team that was essentially in transition. I think we're getting Kirk Cousins on the on the Jets next year, but oh, the Jets! I thought he was going to be in the Broncos. No, I don't. I think the Broncos are going to draft another quarterback. I don't think. I don't know. The Broncos are in such a good like, spot. Some of the quotes we'll that there. came from Von Miller and Chris Harris after the game last week suggested that they really wanted Kirk Cousins in Denver. Um, mm. Yeah, you don't usually see those kind of glowing quotes from opposing players so i'll be interested to see what happens with him hmm. i don't know what well, that's in, I, I don't yeah i have no i have no idea i just don't see the kirk cousins thing but we'll see dallas eight and seven going to philly with nick Foles. i have whew, this is tough because i mean obviously if if carson Wentz is playing i'm not really concerned about this but I do think there is a strong possibility that Dallas wins this game. And you know what? I'm going to say Dallas wins. Yeah, I'll Dallas probably agree. I agree with you. Philadelphia uh, just looks, their offense at least looks so bad last week. I think Dallas should have some decent success. And, no, both teams are really not playing for anything. Dallas was eliminated playoff last week. Philadelphia clinched home field throughout. So the motivation factor each side is going to be a question going into the game, but I'll leave the team with a little more talent on offense, and I'll go with the Cowboys. The Browns, the opportunity to go 0-16 and make Hugh Jackson have to jump in the lake. I mean, it's all happening, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, win big here, and I think this this is it. The Browns go 0-16. And then they have a the huge question heading into the offseason. Do you fire the head coach who has one win in the past two to. years? You have to fire him, man. I I just I hope they get blown out just so they fire him. Like you can't keep that guy around anymore. It's, I remember I, I wrote this thing for Vice uh last year when Hugh Jackson took that job. And I kind of ripped him for it because I just thought it was the stupidest play. Like, why are uh, you already had one job, head coaching job? It's hard to get three. It's hard to get three head coaching jobs in this league. And he got a second shot and he was coming off like he had so much more, I feel like, leverage in Cincinnati. And just people were loving the idea. Like, he was interviewing with different teams and he was like the hot coordinator candidate. And he jumped at the worst possible job. I, I just, I, don't understand why he did that. Now he's probably never going to get another head coaching opportunity because he picked the Browns. I would have just stayed in Cincinnati. I understand that they wouldn't sign off on the transition plan from Marvin Lewis to Hugh Jackson, but I would have rid that out than go to Cleveland. I just would have. And I understand that you want to be a head coach and there's only so many jobs and it's like you never know, but I just, I, I never understood it. And he kind of sealed his fate by becoming the head coach of the Browns because spoiler alert, that rarely turns out well. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I also think that he didn't help himself during his tenure here. I think he grossly mismanaged 
quarterback situation this year. He threw yeah. players under the bus, which is something he did do in Oakland too. He he threw some of his players under the bus, and I know they didn't really appreciate that. So I don't think he's without blame at all. I I, just, I don't think he's a good coach. Period. Um, and I think he's a good offensive coordinator. He has some kind of. I think he could. Oh man. The Bengals are going to hire him, aren't they? I don't know, man. Like, I'm, he just, like, as I'm he, talking he about this, the, he's going to go back to Cincinnati. He says the dumbest things. Like, <laughs> Isaiah Crowell had like a 59 yard run against Baltimore. And, like, a reporter asked him, like, why. He only got like you know, two carries as the game. And the reporter was like, yeah, after Crowell's 59 yard run, why didn't you feed him the ball more? And he kind of made fun of Crowell. And he's like, the hole was so big that even I could have ran through it. So, like, stuff like that. Just like, like why, why would you say that? And then. Just the way he handled, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, and I'm not, you know, a huge Kaiser fan. I don't think he's good, but like he's like 21 years old. Like, be a little more supportive and give him some guidance. Like, if I'm a Browns fan, I don't want Hugh Jackson to be mentoring the new rookie quarterback that you're going to draft this year. Because I just think that this year kind of showed a lot of flaws in who he is as a um, as a mentor to quarterbacks or as, you know, a QB whisper. I don't even think he is a QB whisper. I mean... Yeah, I think those days are gone. Yeah, I, like, I don't even know, like, who was he supposed to have whispered in the past? Like, Andy Dalton was... You know, his offensive coordinator, he was actually more productive under... I mean, he had Hugh Jackson as his OC, but that team was kind of built around, you know, the Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard, the A.J. Green, Tyler Eifert, Mohamed Sanu... Marvin Jones, like they have so much talent, so it's not like in the offensive line we have like Whitworth and Zeitler and Bowling and a pretty good collection of talent. So I don't really want to give him too much credit for that one year in Cincinnati either. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. But hey, AJ McCarron's on the way in Cleveland this offseason, so there you go. Next game, the game we you and I will both be watching at four o'clock. That was a terrible one o'clock slate, by the way. I, I don't think any of these games are. I'm. Well, let's it, just say oh. that you know it is New Year's Eve, so you'll yeah. probably see me at Orange Theory around eleven thirty to like one thirty. <laughs> All right, um, the Panthers eleven and four travel to the Falcons. Falcons win. They're in. I had the Falcons here, but I. I yeah, I would be pretty surprised if the Panthers won this game, and I don't know why, but do they feel like a twelve and four team to you? Because that just no. seems like such an odd record for them. That's like so many teams. Like the Eagles look thirteen and two, the Steelers look thirteen and three, the Pats look like a thirteen and three team, but like the Panthers just don't look like a twelve and four team. They look like a ten and six team to me. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I, I would probably pick Atlanta here too. I think again, Carolina's just. So decimated with injuries he's out for the uh, season, isn't he? Yeah, he's out for the season. Uh, wide receiver, so concerned. Um, maybe if they can kind of establish a ground game, but you know, you have to kind of throw the ball in point games, and I don't see them throwing with much success against the Falcons. I think Atlanta's always a really difficult matchup for Carolina's defense, uh, especially with the talent that they have. You know, at the skill player with Sanu and Gabriel, and obviously Julio and Hooper's been pretty good this year. Uh, I think the, the running backs are also difficult for them to contain because they do so well after contact. So, yeah, I'll go with Atlanta here to win. Not a blowout, but I think it'll be like 27 to 20. 
Yeah, I. It's going to be a really interesting off season in Atlanta if they blow this and miss the playoffs. I will say that. <laughs> wow. It will be very, probably, I mean, very interesting. If they make the playoffs, like Sarkeesian is one hundred percent coming back, right? Oh yeah. If they don't make the playoffs, there's a possibility, a strong possibility, he probably goes. Which is interesting to me because the defense is still low key. What the biggest problem? They're twenty third in defensive DVOA. Like the idea, like they have a lot of talent. They've invested a lot of resources into beefing up that defense, and it's still not great. Who's their coordinator? Uh, they fired Smith last year, and they elevated Marquand Manuel. Oh, Marquand Manuel! I remember him when he was out playing, but and he's done a pretty good job with their secondary before he was DC, right? Like. Alford and Trufant and Ricardo Allen. I mean, what he got with Poole, like Poole became a good guy, like a really good get last year. And he yeah, and Poole and Keanu Neal too, yeah. I mean, their secondary but, is good. I think their issue here is... Well, their secondary gets lit up when Trufant's not playing. Like, it, the, their cornerback situation has gotten decimated. They were down to like one or two corners um, last week or two weeks ago. But they're very thin at the cornerback position, but... It just Deion Jones is just it's kind of like Keekly. He's inconsistent as heck. Yeah, like he'll make a crazy interception against the Saints, and then yeah, I think his run defense is probably the biggest issue. Like, I don't, I don't I even just, know. Like, how are they so bad? Like, they have so many good players. Like, that's what like, I'm saying. Like, Grady I just don't Jarrett, understand. So, <laughs> Big Beasley, Grady Poe's Jarrett has been good for them. Tentari yeah, Poe. It, it, yeah. Claiborne, he has like what twenty sacks this year because he had like ten against the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, but he's been out for a while. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just that, they should like, be better with the amount of talent they have, and I think that's the the biggest thing is he he should just be better. I mean, this team should be better, and I think a lot of people like I think the Falcons still rack up a bunch of yards, and that's why they're eighth in offensive DVOA. They're just they're still terrible in the red zone. And I, they don't finish dry as well at all. But um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't look like Claiborne's going to play this week either because he is he missed practice this week. But he was free from the injury report a couple days ago. But then he's mispracticed with the Vitre. So I don't know if he's going to play if this week. But yeah, add the Falcons and we'll see what happens after this game. But uh, an all NFC wild card situation. It's going to be cool. Bengals coming off a crazy win last week against the Lions, six and nine. They they traveled to Baltimore. Baltimore chance to get ten wins, and Flacco's played better in the last couple weeks. Their defense is still awesome. I wish Jimmy Smith was still on this team and not out for the year because he was playing ridiculously well and was just really under the radar as like an elite corner in this league. But Terrell Suggs still somehow super effective for them. I have the Baltimore Ravens, and they should win big here. I, I think they win big. Yeah, they have to win. To, they haven't clinched playoffs, but so all they have to do is win, and they're in. And I think that Cincinnati, they put all their effort into winning Marvin Lewis's final home game last week. Um, I mean, I expect them to show up because it is a digital game, but at the same time, I think Baltimore He's going to play with a lot of urgency. I think it's a pretty big coaching mismatch here, too. So I'll go with the Ravens to win by double digits. Buffalo trying to... Uh, just listening to Robert Mays rip Buffalo for throwing the season away because they had that one random Nathan Peterman situation a couple weeks ago by like basically giving up that game by 
playing him over Tyrod Taylor and the five pick game and everything. And that would have been the difference between the Mech and the playoffs now because they're eight and seven and they would have been pro they would have had an opportunity to be eight and uh, I mean uh nine and six right now and in the driver's seat to make the playoffs. But they torpedoed their season voluntarily middle of the way through just because this weird tie rod situation is finally ending that's who i hope goes to denver and i've been pushing this for like two years i feel like i don't want kirk cousins in denver i want tyra in denver and they he should have been there a long time ago but i think the dolphins beat the bills here and get to seven and nine and yeah the bills just fill finish eight and eight yeah i'm, I'm with you here i think the I definitely think the Dolphins are going to win this game. Buffalo is going to be playing back-to-back road games. You know, South Florida's all of a sudden a little bit of a wrench in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so I'll, I'll go and with Tom Brady. Yeah, I'll definitely. The, yeah, the Patriots never play well in South Florida. I'll go, I'll go with the Miami to finish seven nine. Get excited, Dolphins fans! So. The Bucks four and eleven. They seem the most likely. I think of any. I, I would say they're the most likely to fire their coach after this game. They host the New Orleans Saints. Saints can get to twelve and four. That's the uh, maybe that's what makes it so weird is that the Panthers have an opportunity to finish the same record as the Saints, and I just feel like the Saints. I feel like they should be like thirteen and three. I don't know something about that. Their season just feels kind of like they should have less than four losses. But I think a lot of that is just because of how they played in those first couple of weeks. I mean, they got blown out by the Vikings. And that's another reason why I actually think I would uh, bet on them uh, in Minnesota if it comes to an NFC Championship game situation because I don't think they'll lose on the road in Minnesota twice this year. But, yeah, I I'm, I think it's going to be interesting. And I have the Saints destroying the Bucks and ending Dirk Cutter's tenure in Tampa Bay yeah, on a I very see- sour note. I actually think this game will be a little bit closer than what's kind of being projected. Uh, but but I do think eventually the Saints will hold on to win. Uh, it'll be a one-possession game. I think the Bucks kind of showed a lot of effort the past two weeks against divisional opponents that they're going to show the same kind of effort in the final game. I think this is going to be a bad Jameis game. I don't know why, but I think Lattimore and I think whew, Manny Teo is playing really well for the Saints and Cameron Jordan is just an insanely good defender i i don't know i just think this has potential for a disaster Jameis game and that's why i have it as a blowout yeah so uh but we'll see Jameis was better last week next up the jacksonville jaguars 10 and 5 coming off a beatdown from jimmy garoppolo <clears throat> they have a chance to end the titan season <sighs> i just I hate that I have the Titans here, and that means the Chargers will miss the playoffs, and the Titans are getting the sixth seed. I, I think the Titans are winning at home here. Yeah, I think Jacksonville is going to run the wide player. They're already lost to the seed. So, again, motivation, they're probably looking forward towards next week. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I think Jacksonville is not going to win here. I think Tennessee. They should win here, um, but you never know with them. They've been really just inconsistent all around. Just not a good football team this year. And that's unfortunate because, again, I agree with you. I would rather see the Chargers in the playoffs. The Broncos, 5-10, and 10, finished up their season with the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs turned it around before it got out of hand and avoided their 2016 Minnesota Vikings fate. 
I think they get 10 wins here. I think they win, and uh, it's still a pretty good season for Kansas City as the final year of the Alex Smith um, era in Kansas City winds down before mm-hmm. their inevitable home. Oh, my God. I just realized we're going to get Chiefs-Ravens in the first, in that divisional game. I mean, wildcard game. That is, that is not fun. That is going to be a very, very sloggy, low-scoring affair. I think. Yeah. Um, ugh. I, yeah, I don't funny. want that. I actually think the Broncos will win here. Uh, because really? Think, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I don't think Kansas City's going to play a lot of players. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm already looking at the Vegas line. They actually had the Broncos favorite by three and a half. So that tells me that a lot of Kansas City players are going to be rested. And I think Denver's, um, you know, Vance Joseph, his tenure is kind of up in the air right now. But I think they do win this game to, uh, you know, win one final game for their home fans. And, uh, you know, Kansas City, Andy Reid's the notorious for resting players before playoff games, too, because his record after, like, bye weeks is, like, incredible. So he's going to treat this like a bye week and just play a bunch of his reserves and uh, might see the debut of the one and only Patrick Mahomes this week. Oh, but that's actually puts it more in favor of the Chiefs because Mahomes is going to obviously um, Yeah, but he's not going to have Kareem Hunter. <laughs> well, he'll have Chark Hendrick West, and uh, I don't know whoever like this fifth receiver is for the Chiefs, who they find somewhere. Because Chris Conley being their number two for a while before he went down is still one of the weirder things for me. But maybe they can find Dwayne Bow. What is Dwayne Bow doing these days? That's a great question. The Raiders traveling to the Chargers. Chargers are a must-win situation. The Raiders just. What a disaster of a year for them, but hugely disappointing. And I think the Chargers, after getting blown out by the Chiefs, I they're so hard to predict, but they're I, I'm very annoyed. They were my AFC Super Bowl pick before the year, and I'll never give up on them. So I am going to say the Chargers, and I'm very annoyed that they're going to get left out in favor of the Titans because I think they're a much better team than the Titans. I think they'd be much scarier come playoff yeah. time. I would. I definitely agree with you. I would. I would pick the Chargers here too. But um, well, I'm definitely going to pick the Chargers here. But unfortunately, due to the Titans, they're going like to make the playoffs. It really sucks. Maybe can Goodell intervene? Can we just all cancel the Titans? Can they do a fan vote? Who would you rather see get the sixth seed in the AFC, and the Chargers will win, and then we just get the Titans left out? That's that's what they should do. That's what they should do. Yeah, I agree. Rams, 11 and 4, have nothing to play for. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I guess kind of. Do you want to, since you're a divisional rival, like just kind of want to give Jimmy G his first loss to close out the year and end that hype? Is there some kind of let's just end this right now? Because he's uh, now the crown jewel in the NFC West. And I, I wonder, Jared Goff, is he annoyed that Jimmy Garoppolo is already kind of taken over as the the new face of the NFC West while he had this great under the radar year coming back from just like people being like, wow, what a terrible first pick overall. And this is not going to work. He was picked over Wentz and then he's been fine. I don't think he's been as good as people have made it out to be. It's been more of like Todd Gurley is just awesome. And that offensive line is a lot better, but yeah, I think with who's resting, I'm going to, go 49ers but i really think there's a strong possibility the rams win this game even without golf and Gurley. yeah i'll 
I agree, but it's gonna, you know, that thing is going to have like a ton of 49er fans. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take This was it. high scoring the first time, wasn't it? Didn't they like have like yeah, a huge like, shootout early? It was actually an entertaining Thursday night game. Yeah, okay. Hmm. You know what? I'm still saying the Rams. I love Jimmy, but I think they're losing this. I'm, I'm going Rams here. I think the Rams, even with some re- guys resting, I think they still win. I'll go 49ers. Just okay. Last game. And it could also be the last game of Bruce Arrigan's career in Arizona. I hope not. But it looks like it might be. And then you know what? Go get Bulls. His contract's up in New York. Go get Todd Bulls and replace him there. That, that'd be good. This is uh, the Seahawks can finish with 10 wins. They still have a shot at the playoffs because um, if they win and the Falcons lose, I believe the Seahawks are in, right? Yep. So they have a lot to play for. The Cardinals are playing for their coach. I think I, should, I actually think this is going to be a really fun game. So maybe I'll turn into this a little bit, um, depending on how the Falcons Panthers game goes. But yeah, I'm excited actually for this one because wait, who's starting at quarterback for the Cardinals in this game? Is it Gabbard or is it Stan? It's Stan. Okay. Okay. If it's Stan, I'm going to say this is closer, but yeah, Seahawks at home and they finish with 10 wins, but I still think they missed the playoffs because I don't. I picked the Falcons to win. So 10 wins, all things considered with how they were decimated with injuries. Uh, seems about right. And the Cardinals, if David Johnson doesn't get injured and Carson Palmer doesn't get injured, I think they're a playoff team too. Like they are seven and nine. And I think Arians deserves a lot of credit for keeping this team afloat with everything that's happened to that team. And just the amount of injuries and just the lack of wide receiver depth behind fits and just like, they have no tight ends. I don't think they've had a tight end since like 2007. And, you know, really good season overall for the Cardinals to get to seven and nine, even um, though they're going to miss the playoffs and everything. So I hope Arians comes back. So I think he's still like a top 10 coach. Yeah, uh, I agree here. I'm, I'm with you. I think the Seahawks went pretty easily. Uh, you know, unfortunately for the Cardinals, it's been a rough year. Like you said, the injuries from day one. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a pretty comfortable one for the home team. All right. I think that'll do it, man. I think we got through everything. Season's over. It always flies, so there's definitely no exception here. Yeah. All right. Well, Billy Marshall, thank you for taking the time. This is this is always fun. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. All right. Let's talk again soon. Bye-bye.